Let's go. Y'all ready to get funky? Oh my. Hey, you dare to think. Pizza's great, but it's not the gospel. This program is closed captioned for the Welcome to the campus of LCMSU, everyone. I am the Chancellor, Pastor Marcus Zill. Green chili for everyone. Hey, who let the campus pastor loose in the studio again? Zilly Zilly. Hi. Warning, the show might trigger you if you don't love the gospel and college students. Reverend Dan Silsley from Wittenberg Lutheran Chapel in Grand Forks, North Dakota, serving students at University of North Dakota. Tell us a little bit about campus ministry there at UND. Yeah, so Wittenberg Lutheran Chapel uh, has been here over 50 years. 1964 is when they started serving here. It's a mission of the North Dakota district, and so Wittenberg is kind of unique in that we're not a... uh, we're not a full-time, you know, congregation, a regular congregation that also does campus ministry. We are a mission of the district, and so all of the people who attend here are students at UND, uh, which is is kind of unique and, and a lot of fun. Um, and so, you know, we do probably a lot of the things typical campus ministries do. We have divine service every Sunday. We have Bible study after divine service with lunch, and we have Bible study on Wednesday nights with supper and uh, do various activities throughout the year. And um, it's a joy to serve these students here. Well, anyways, the reason why I wanted to have you on is that you you just wrote a book that just came out um, a couple of months ago now in early June called Misquoted, Rethinking Commonly Misused Bible Verses. It's from Harvest House Publishers. But uh, in the beginning of the book, uh, I love your introduction. I mean, usually introductions are fairly stale and boring and the first words of your introduction they just they just jump out at you 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 almost it's just this is like the greatest first five six verse six uh, words of an introduction ever the bible is not about you wow the bible is not about you tell us about that why did you start off what, what does that mean and why did you start off that way well, uh, what it means is that the Bible's not about you. <laughs> wow, you just opened my eyes. <laughs> no, that's no, that's what it means. No, that's, but it, but it's it's so simple, but it's profound. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Well, and the reason I started that way is because not only does it grab your attention right off the bat, but it it challenges a very very popular idea that this the Bible is all about me uh, as an individual, that it's that I should be able to find myself on the pages of the scriptures, um, whether that's the scriptures, you know, giving me advice for how to have a better life or um, how to be more successful in some area or whatever. Um, but the, the Bible just is not about you. It's, it's, um, it's, about, it's about Christ and Christ for you, what Christ has done for you so uh, that's what i meant by that sentence is no the Bible I, is not about you yeah. and you know it's a story of salvation and, and story not that's maybe not the best word the um 
the the acts of salvation through which Christ has stepped into our flesh and conquered sinful sin our sinfulness and death and uh, um, and destroyed that final enemy and his, his suffering and and rising from the dead and so good thing it's not about me right because right, it wouldn't yeah. be a story of salvation if it was about me um so um now you start off um and kind of going in the in your introduction talking about some some basic presuppositions um a lot of people have presuppositions that they they kind of take when they when they identify the task at hand and, and you have some too what are some of the things that that you think that we always have to keep in mind whenever we're going to take a look at the context of the scriptures as a whole in terms of how we interpret things. Yeah, uh, it's it's important to keep in mind that nobody approaches the Bible without presuppositions. I right. mean, everybody is, you can't just read the Bible sort of naively without any kind of presuppositions. And sure. so it's important to know what presuppositions you do have and are those presuppositions informed by the, the scriptures itself. And so, yeah, I list, I don't know, five or six of them here. Um, the first is that the Bible is enough, and it is God's self-revelation to mankind. So if you want to know about God, you're going to go to the place where God has revealed himself, and that's in the Scriptures. Um, and because that is the Word of God, therefore these Scriptures are inerrant and infallible, which means they can't lead us astray. Um, they, they will lead us into the truth, not into falsehood. Hmm. Um, another presupposition is that the Bible uh, does stuff when it is proclaimed. Hmm. It is the, the technical term is it's efficacious. It actually accomplishes something. That when the, the the law and the gospel are proclaimed into someone's ears, the Spirit uses that to actually bring about their salvation, to forgive their sins, to give them the promises of Christ. So that when we're reading the text, we're not just sort of reading a stale book that you know just some guy happened to write. This is God's living, living and active word. Um, another presupposition is uh, the relationship between my reason and the scriptures. So if I encounter something in the scriptures that challenges my reason, um, it is my job to figure out where I'm wrong, not my job to figure out where the scriptures are wrong. Well, that's, that's, a, big, really, that's a big one for people. It, it's huge, yeah, because I want to, Often, as, as sinners, we want to place our reason above the Scriptures, um, and that's where we run into problems. Um, and then, important, finally, uh, I presuppose when I encounter the Scriptures that they are not about me, but they are all about Jesus. And the reason I have that presupposition is because that's what the Scriptures themselves claim. Jesus himself says that these, uh, these words are all about him. And so it's my job, then, to try to find Jesus in every page of the scriptures because he says he's there great stuff yeah well a note on the titles of the book by the way okay they are they are the claims made by people um the titles are not what i'm putting forth as what the scriptures teach right so the titles are kind of satirical in that way sure that's um, pretty important because otherwise if somebody just reads through the titles they're like this guy doesn't always talk to me (laughs) he's got it all wrong (laughs) So the claim, and you start off, you kind of have a, an interest, you start off with a claim, you have like three C's. Why don't you tell everybody what those are, and it kind of gives us some, some structure to this here. Oh, yeah, so, so for, for each uh, chapter, I have basically three sections. We consider the claim that people make with the verse. 
Then we consider the context of the verse, which is so important to understanding God's word. Sure. And then we and then we talk about uh, the comfort that comes when we understand the verse in its context. So that's how every chapter is laid out, and I think I think that's helpful to keep the book organized and and coherent. All right. So last week talked about the uh, the kind of often misquoted uh, claim, false claim that. God is there. He will help you accomplish your dreams. He's this divine genie that's going to help you accomplish your dreams. This week, we're going to tackle another common one. I love this title. You're a pretty big deal around here. Um, and I, I got to tell you a story to introduce this real quick. So so I, I got asked um, by students at Drake University to come and preach. They, they were They were... Four years ago, they had asked me to come by and kind of uh, help them figure out how to start campus ministry and get it going, and I did. Figured out a way to drop into Des Moines, Iowa, and do this. And uh, they got it started, and three, four years passed, and I kind of, you know, I kind of forget about it. They came to one of our conferences or whatever, but I kind of forgot about it a little bit. And all of a sudden, I get this note from their pastor that they were just absolutely dumbfounded that their school, um, Drake University, was having graduation on a Sunday morning which meant that they couldn't go to church. And they're like, well, we've been going to church and attending the divine service together, and we want to have this one last opportunity to do that, and our parents and family and friends are all going to be here. We want to go to church, but we kind of have to go to graduation too. And they were like, well, hey, pastor, do you care if we could we, could, could we have another service? Could we have a service Saturday night? And, uh, you know, what pastor is going to look at as young people and say, no, we don't want more church. Why would yeah, you want? Yeah, that's right. Yes, that's the last, <laughs> you know, that sounds ridiculous. And I was, of course. And then they said, you know what, why don't we invite Pastor Zill? Let's make it kind of a festive thing and had a potluck and the whole, th- and it, it was really touching. Um, and I was able to go and at the end of the service, the pastor was saying, you know, I know Pastor Zill wouldn't want, want, wouldn't want any of you to think uh, it's, it's, it, this, is that, this is that big of a deal. Um, that he's here and I'm like no no actually it is a big deal and I said that for a while I was sitting behind the pulpit and I said, I said <laughs> go well no yeah yeah this is a big deal and everybody kind of they laughed and they kind of thought you know wow did he really just say that he's a big deal like hey I'm a real big deal around here and in reality then when I turned around I said no actually what what is a big deal it's a big deal that you all wanted to put first things first you wanted to close out this chapter in your lives um giving thanks to God for what you've done and, and putting things in the best possible perspective. I, I don't know what's a bigger deal than that. To me, it's just a beautiful yeah. story. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've noticed in campus ministry that uh, there's the students that are involved want to be there and they're committed. Because uh, if you're going to church during your college years, you're you're committed. So that's an awesome story to yeah. hear oh, uh, that they switch things around. Yeah. Anyways, what's up with this claim and where does this come from? Well, this goes back to the idea that the Bible is all about you and and that uh, even this idea that floats around in some places that in that that God is kind of waiting around for you so that he can accomplish his purposes through you. And uh, and so you're a pretty big deal. God needs you. Otherwise, he may not be able to get done what he really wants to get done. Um, that's wow. I better way. not let him down. Yeah, that's right. No pressure, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's one way the text gets used. Um, another way is... And what is the uh, text? What is the text? Oh, I'm that, sorry. Yeah, yeah the, the text is uh, is from Jeremiah chapter 29. It's a very popular one. 
actually on a lot of graduation cards. Oh. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, uh, plans for you to prosper. Um, and it's, it kind of paints this great vision of the future, you know. Uh, and I always think that when it's put on a, a greeting card, like a graduation card, sure. it's kind of like a theological version of Dr. Seuss's, oh, the places you'll go. You know that book? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it's kind of like you have these great things ahead of you, and God knows the plans he has for you. Um, it's kind of so like idea- every every uh, every uh, graduation speech rolled up into one verse that God happened to yeah, use in the Old right. Testament. Yeah, that's right. It's very convenient that yes. way. Yeah. Um, but the idea that it, the, the claim is, how it's usually used is, God has this future set out for you. He knows kind of what job you're going to have, what your, who your spouse is going to be. Uh, all of this future, the only hitch is you have to figure it out. Um, and so it's your job to kind of mine the will of God to figure out what the right decision would be in this situation or that situation, all so that you can have the future that God has in store for you. Um, This is a very sort of unsettling place to be. Uh, I remember when I was uh, on Vicarage, our third year of seminary is like an internship we call Vicarage, and uh, we were working with the the youth in the congregation. And one of the senior girls came to my office one day uh, and, uh, and she said, Vicar, I'm really struggling because I don't know where I should go to college. And as we got to talking, it was, it wasn't just that she didn't know kind of which college to go to and what sort of what the best choice would be for her. It was actually, she didn't know where she should go to college, meaning where did God have in mind for her to go to college? And for her, uh, she even quoted Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you. Um, the only problem was God didn't let her in on the plan, and so she was left kind of do in I, this Do I go to place. UND or do I go to NDSU? Am well, I a see, fighting hawk or am I a bison? So oh, my clear. gosh. No, see, the will of God is so clear there. I mean, that's... <laughs> okay, bad example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but see, for her, it was actually fearful. She was afraid of actually letting God down and messing things up. Mm. And so, for her, the, the 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 verse as it was used was uh, was crushing her because God had a plan, but she didn't know what it was, and she didn't want to make oh, a mistake. No. And so, I got to say, you know, that's not really what that verse is talking about. And we got to to go into this whole discussion of of Christian freedom and. And the comfort that comes when we understand that verse properly. So, um, so how do so we, we understand? That. Yeah, yeah, how do we? What's the context of this verse? Because it's going to be nothing like how people use it. It's so important when we're reading the scriptures that we understand who the pronouns are referring to. Mm. Uh, so here, you know, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Mm. And again, our our initial response is to think, oh, that you is talking about me. God is talking about me, the reader of this verse or something. But when we look at the context, it's actually uh, the you is not any of us who are living today, but it's actually ancient Israel, you know, uh, many, many centuries ago. Uh, this takes place in the context of Jeremiah, and he is uh, he's prophesying to ancient Israel, who is uh, about to go into Babylonian captivity because they disobeyed God's law. And so whenever God 
well, not not all the time, but when God judges people in the old his his people in the Old Testament, it's often by having another nation come in and conquer them. And in this case, it was Babylon. And so Babylon comes in and uh, and takes them into exile. And they're going to be in exile for 70 years in, in Babylonian exile. But That's God a long time out. <laughs> That's like a whole lifetime. Man. <laughs> Jeez. Man. It is, really. It's, it's a whole lifetime. It, it's a whole generation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Uh, but God God doesn't forget his promises. And this is what's so cool about this verse, is that while they're there, uh, God, God has Jeremiah send a letter and uh, this letter is addressed to uh, the people who are in Babylonian exile. And in this letter, God reminds them of his promises. And he actually tells them, make yourselves at home. You're going to be here a while, you know, <laughs> uh, have kids, plant gardens, uh, have houses, even pray for the welfare of Babylon, the people who have you in, in exile, pray wow. for them. Um, and then he says, because I know the plans I have for you ancient Israel, plans to prosper you. And what he's talking about is when they would be delivered from Babylonian exile, when God would keep his promise and uh, bring them back to the promised land that he took them from into exile. Um, and so this this verse actually is not about anybody who's alive today. It's all about ancient Israel and how God was dealing with them at that time. Um, so what we see here is is unfaithful people and a faithful God unfaithful Israel and a faithful God who is keeping his promises to his chosen people and see now that's where the comfort comes in for us is that uh, even now we see God keeping his promises to us God being faithful to us even when we are unfaithful and he does this uh, through his son Jesus Christ and uh, and so because we are in Christ now we can look at sort of the decisions we have to make uh, in our lives, like where to go to college, um, who to marry, these kinds of things. And we can make these, these decisions in Christian freedom. I'm, I'm in Christ. And so if I go to UND, that's cool. That's fine. If I go to NDSU, well, that's a little less cool. But that's okay, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, because these are these are uh, these are things that God hasn't spoken on, and so we can make these decisions freely in Christ, knowing that whatever decision we make, God goes with us, and He is going to be faithful to us in in the experiences that we have after we've made that decision. Um, you and know, the, that the, was a great comfort to to this young girl. Sure. Well, I imagine. Um, so, what what how how did it turn out for Jenny when she kind of wrapped her mind or her heart around this a little bit better? Yeah, well, I, I encouraged her to start thinking about questions like, you know, do I want to be close to home or further away from home? How much do I want to pay for college? Which one fits my sort of financial picture? Um, you know, those kinds of things. Which one has the best program for what I want to do? Um, those are the kinds of questions we can start thinking about instead of, am I going to which let aren't, God Which aren't down? particularly spiritual, but they're not no, necessarily yeah. unspiritual either. They're just kind of the the common sense things that naturally arise um, that anyone would think through. And, and what, what the, the beautiful thing is the comfort of knowing that, that you have that future, you have that hope regardless of, you know, um, which decision you make or where you go to school, or even if you do switch majors or, you know, mm -hmm. or, or decide, you know, sometimes today, but what people don't realize, uh, 
one of the things that's really fascinating to me is a number of young people that are starting to ask the question, not where should I go to college, but should I even go to college or should I just get to work or should I, mm-hmm. you know, there's other very, I mean, the questions never end. So yep. thank, thank God that the comfort doesn't end either. That's right. Uh, his plan for us is always certain in Christ. The future that we have is always certain in Christ. And so that's where we go uh, when we're faced with these these difficult questions, knowing that our identity is secure always in Christ. You know, this seems, uh, Dan, like something that's so, it's so foundational that we get this right. And while while we're talking a little bit in the context of college students, I mean, we have to, we have to help people understand these principles of, you know, the presuppositions I keep going back to of how we even approach these texts. So we don't get caught off guard because satan is there tempting us you know it's just like in the garden of eden you know uh god says he has a plan for you but you know you can see satan going but he hasn't told you has he see he's keeping something from you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know we can't wait for our young people to show up at college and really kind of uh really kind of be exposed to to wrapping their minds around how to how to think clearly and and in many ways ask the right the art of asking the right questions Mm -hmm. yeah that's right uh i just had a thought but it left me no that's that's okay that's okay well you had your thought had a hope in a future but now it's gone you let (laughs) god down (laughs) oh man what am i gonna do but what 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 like as you look at your book this is our third week in a row of, of tackling a couple of these um I could see high school students reading this pretty easily, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. even even junior hires. I mean, not that it's written at, at a, a low level, but it's very, very easy to read and comprehend. Um, I would very much like to encourage people, even uh, obviously college students, I think it'd be great. I'm going to encourage college students to get this, but I could see this being something that someone uh, might be good for a youth group. Um, or a, a kind of a Sunday school, you know, a lot of, a lot of bigger churches maybe have a, a senior high um, Sunday school kind of a situation, or you're, you're going out, you're having a campfire and you want a couple topics. You could almost, almost tackle these. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I just, it, this just strikes me as so, so paramount for our young people to have a good understanding of, of how to get the context right. Because when they show up for college and when they move on to the rest of their life, their context is topsy-turvy. What's black and white is now gray, and what's gray is black and white. And it's it's very, very confusing. We can't afford to get this kind of stuff wrong in terms of how we view God's Word. Yeah, and especially with the different, uh, you know, faith groups that are on campus. Students are hearing all of these claims about spirituality from all kinds of voices and we need to give them the tools for, for knowing how to hear those claims and evaluate them properly according to God's Word, rather than just kind of accepting them and saying, yeah, that kind of sounds right. I think I'll go check that out. Um, I always we, remember, we is in, better by them. Is in, was it in Matthew? I always get it conflated, 13 or 16, when, uh, you know, Jesus is popular. He's got groupies all over the place. They're following him around, and he eventually asks the disciples, uh, so... Uh, what are people saying? Who? What are people saying about me? And uh, they're like, well, you know, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist back from the dead. Well, kudos for them for knowing their Bible, but they 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 got it wrong. 
Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, well, what do you say about me? And then Peter's confession, well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, upon this foundation, I will build my church. The reason why I bring that up is because it's not enough. People today are so excited when they meet other people just to know that they, well, they're Bible believers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not enough to, to, to necessarily have, you can believe in the Bible, but have false views about what the Bible says, and it can still lead you in a wrong direction. The whole key, the foundation is not, is not, not, not the Bible per se, but the accurate confession of what the Bible actually teaches. And that's why I think this is such an, a, a really, really an instrumental work that you've done here. So I can't thank yeah. you enough. Well, certainly not meant to be exhaustive, but I hope it gets you gets you thinking. Well, this is the kind of theology we need to be doing with our young people, and so can't encourage people to do that enough. And uh, we're going to take a little break. Maybe uh, maybe a few months down the road we'll have you back. We'll tackle a few more of these, all right? Sounds good. Be uh, glad to. Okay. Take care, everyone. Well, that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check out the archives of this program at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help. <laughs>